0: Gospel reading, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me?" He looked around to see who had done it. But the women, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has made you well. "'Go in peace and be healed of your disease.'" While he was still speaking, When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleepy. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, but she was 12 years of age. And this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them not, that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good
1: morning. I'm glad you guys came for the Fourth of July weekend. And um, I re- before I begin today, I received a text message on... Um, on Friday. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when you go to the pastor and you go, I want some answers. So they text me and at the end of the text, they go, why is this happening to me? You ever felt that way? And so I text back and I said, look, all of us are on a journey because just Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I went to visit my mother. It was the 11th year of dementia, and the last four years have been in a vegetative state. So I said, I think the same thing. Why is this happening? And when we get on Facebook and stuff like this, or we see other people's profile pictures, I want to show you this. And we look at a person, if it's up there. Is a picture out there, hon? And we look at a picture like this, and we go, why can't my life be perfect? Do you ever size people up? And you just go, oh, probably on vacation. There's a cruise ship in the back and all this. So I decided I want to interview this lady because sometimes we think other people have this perfect life when we're going through our own journeys. So I asked if Christy can come forward, and uh, she proudly told me it's Canadian Day today. (laughs) You can sit. (laughs) You can sit right here. And uh, she even showed on her toenails that it's painted in the Canadian flag. <laughs> so she's Canadian. Every time I meet a Canadian, don't you want to go, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not being Canadian. Sorry for our president treating the Canadians bad. So I, what I want to do is I wanted to interview her. And then she's going to read her story. And I'm going to frequently interrupt because her story is powerful and so thank you thank, thank you. you and this is the first time she's ever shared the story publicly and so that means you're safe and that means it's a safe church to share it and so thank you
2: thank you Thank you, Pastor Kevin, and to the congregation here for welcoming me so warmly into your community. You know, my husband and I, we go back and forth uh, between here and Canada, and we just love it here. And uh, it's been just really special meeting new people and worshiping together. Uh, Just a little background on me. I have a BA with a um, major in communications. I'm an accredited public relations professional with 30 years in the industry. And... uh, because of all the harassment I endured in the workplace, I became a licensed and certified private investigator as well. Which so, uh, so
1: you were part of that Me Too.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So, <laughs> and, so
1: when you were on the part of Me Too, you decided to become a private investigator as I well. I did,
2: yes. Good, yeah, nice. it served me Good well. Good for you.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> so uh, I was also an internationally competitive figure skater and accomplished ballet dancer through my youth. And I was really fortunate to have had a really magical childhood. Um, I have two brilliant sons, they're 20 and 21 years old, and when I was raising them on my own, uh, the three of us endured a number of unfortunate circumstances. And together we've really come out stronger, you know, because we believe that God sometimes leads us into troubled waters, not to drown us, but to cleanse us. Without a doubt, I consider myself incredibly blessed to be here. I joke that God keeps trying to wanna take me. He must need me upstairs for something. (laughs) Uh Um, I flatlined twice, once during my first childbirth and the second was during a surgery to remove a very rare tumor from my pancreas called an insulinoma. At the time I had this tumor, my boys were about one and two years old and it took being admitted in and out of the hospital every few days for a period of two years for doctors to find this insulin producing tumor.
1: Did you get discouraged?
2: Oh, it was terribly discouraging. I started to do my own research. Okay. Uh, people thought that I was on drugs. People thought I was mentally um, uh, insane. Okay. Uh, to put it into perspective, how unusual this tumor is—if a doctor's in practice 150 years, he might see one of these. So the symptoms are completely horrific. I uh, wake up uh, glaring out into into space, and then go into seizure. Um, episodes of complete and utter confusion because of extremely low blood sugar. Uh, So I'd be sort of wandering on the front lawn in my robe or in the car not knowing where I was. I couldn't make sense of the furniture around me sometimes or the sound of a baby crying in the room next to me. Um,
1: Do you remember all this still?
2: I do because it was so fragmented. I remember waking up time and time again to ambulance attendants bringing me back to reality. Gained about 50 pounds. Extremely brutal acne. Uh, so it was. It was a horrific time. Um, doctors uh, to this day tell me it's amazing I didn't suffer brain damage, although my husband. I said, has that really been? <laughs>
1: <laughs> your, husband was looking, me humble. your husband was looking, yes. has this been certified? Yes. This, are you sure? <laughs>
2: So, uh, you know, my family members, though, they thought, as I said, I was, I was doing some drugs or had a mental illness, and, and they were completely abandoning me when I needed them the most. But this
1: is interesting because a lot of people go through this, that when you need the family the most or the church the most or your family the most, you're going through all this mental what they thought, illness, and then they leave you, right?
2: Yes, it was a horrific feeling because I couldn't help myself.
1: Right, and, and you're isolated. Right. Very okay. isolated.
2: And everyone had a, a crazy diagnosis. My mother-in-law at the time said I just needed to eat more eggs. And,
1: <laughs> and and that, physician. Have you noticed that everyone becomes a physician when you're sick? Like, right. when did you go to medical school? And where does it say bananas are the ones that will fix you? Yes. Okay. Well,
2: <laughs> Some physicians thought it was postpartum depression uh, in and out of the, the hospital every few days, two years um, later. It was determined that it was uh, because my blood sugar was dipping too dangerously low. So I, um, it got to the point right. where I had to wake up, uh, set my alarm through the night, and eat chocolate bars and drink soda to keep my blood sugar up. Okay. Finally, the tumor was discovered and removed. The night after it was removed, I started to go under. Uh, The surgeon who removed it originally ended up rushing back from across the border to um, save me. He was on a family trip, and he came back and saved me. But after so much turmoil, my husband eventually had enough, and he left for his secretary.
1: Okay, this is your first husband. Right. Okay. Not the golden, (laughs) not the golden, (laughs) perfect husband of New York. Right. So, so the thing is, this is what I want to talk about. I don't know if you've ever experienced an affair, and you've experienced an affair, and I've experienced it with my first wife. It is draining emotionally. So not only you're going through physical drainage, and a sudden surgery, and then I almost died, then your husband leaves you.
2: Yes, okay. but my family blamed me, and they thought I was the one having the affair. They hired a private investigator to follow me around.
1: Because they thought.
2: I was the one who was causing this, uh, and and I was so devastated uh, by f- this further betrayal of my family. Oh,
1: yeah, not I, only physically, but betrayal of your husband, your first husband, betrayal of your family. Right. And betrayal of your friends. Yes. Okay.
2: Felt very alone. Uh, took my, my boys and I um, to a lakeside resort to try to get some perspective, and uh, I was, crying at the side of the road, I remember, and this um, man came up and asked me what the problem was, and I said, you know, I explained my situation that I felt just completely abandoned when I needed You I were in, the a,
1: like, a lawn area?
2: Uh, on the side of the road at this beautiful, you know, resort, like okay, side Okay, so resort, you were just
1: sitting on
2: Sitting there. The and And uh, he, um, he said, you know what, you answer to God, you don't answer to them, and he took a, a cross from around his neck and he put it around me. Yeah, no
1: idea who this is. No, to this day.
2: Yes. Okay. No.
1: So he kind of shared about Jesus to you. Yes. Okay.
2: And and to the to this day, that cross is very important to me. Of course. Oh, of course. I keep it um,
1: close Gee, to me. I am getting emotional just yes. hearing about the cross. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm such a crybaby. Okay. So I. Uh, He gave me the cross, and and I um, stood up, and I thought about the reading. You know, my health may fail, uh, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. And needless to say, I lost my job during this time and had to find another one. After many challenging job changes later, I finally landed a great position in a large firm. it was uh, two years into this job when I was uh, driving okay. to work. So, yeah.
1: so the thing is, now your life's... I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I'm, I, I, I'm I can back. play um, yes. songs that says I'm coming back and all this stuff, and everything's yes. going well. You went through all this stuff. You got the dream job. Yes. Okay, go ahead.
2: Got a great job. I'm sitting in a stoplight on my way to work, and a car came crashing in behind me. Okay. And my back was immediately in agony. The pain shot down my legs. Um, It was uh, terrible. And so um, I was fighting so hard day in, day out to keep this job. But the pain in my back was just horrific. Um, No one could find anything wrong with it. They did test after test. Family members, yeah?
1: family again.
2: Uh, Do you want the money? Is that why you're doing this? (laughs) You're faking this? You know that? Your family? Yes. Yeah. The,
1: the Don't you want to go to your family, and just embrace them, <laughs> go. I'm sorry for my anger towards you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, All right.
2: They they thought that I wanted money, and that's why I was because no one could find anything wrong with us. Okay. Um, I was lined up for a very painful spinal tap, and. Uh, before this procedure took place, in fact, my my fiancé was with me, and he picked up the little vial that was going to be injected into my spine, and and he said, this is expired. (laughs) 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 And I said, that's the guy for me. Who looks at the vial
1: your fiancé?
2: Unbelievable.
1: And then it's interesting what the nurse said, too.
2: She said, it's fine. (laughs) We we use these. It doesn't matter. He said, no, we want another one. (laughs) Okay. So um, I... (laughs) I don't
1: know, I get feedback a lot sometimes, (laughs) that means they're really into the story.
2: (laughs) I thought that's the guy for me, that's amazing. Um, Anyway, a year later, praise God, a doctor from Germany uh, ordered some imaging of me bending back and forth and located the fracture in my spine, a break, it was broken. Um, So your
1: back was broken for over a year.
2: Yes, yeah. And I was immediately, I mean, I could go into more, symptoms. it was horrific. These ridiculous spasms I would right. have in meetings and people would. Um, anyway, I was immediately rushed in for surgery and the joints refused. Uh, after recovering on my back for so many weeks, I started to have a number of gallbladder attacks. The gallbladder had to come out. Okay. Got back on my feet again.
1: Okay. This is, okay, on your feet. Don't on the feet. <laughs> on this the is, this feet. is where the story ends, right?
2: No. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had a, um, landed an intense job in the media. It was a great job, sort of a dream job. Okay. Um, but I tended to get sick all the time at this job, and I, I thought, you know, it's the stress. Right. Um, it's it's uh, maybe the old building I'm working in. Okay. And I walked an hour to work and an hour home to try to save money, and um, one day I was, I was walking uh, home, and uh, I could barely make it. I was sort of putting, I thought I'm dying, Like I'm, I'm dying. Mm. And uh, it was interesting because a couple of days before that I got a format work for critical illness mm. coverage. And it was a one-time deal, five bucks for this month alone will right. you know, give you $30,000 if you um, uh, land a critical illness. I thought, yeah, oh, you know what, okay. filled it out. Right. Well, <laughs> I went into the doctor and I said, look, I think I'm, I'm dying a few days after that. I, I feel horrible. I was losing a lot of weight. My legs were super itchy all the time. Um, that being said, I was thrilled to be able to fit into a size two pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> because <but> you, could, <laughs> you couldn't wear
1: pants. It was so itchy. It was It
2: was. I just wanted to rip my legs off. Um, I couldn't sleep. It was so itchy. Uh, Doctors kept giving giving me antibiotics and blamed stress. Um, Stress. Anyway, I knew something was wrong. I I called a a, a taxi to get me home because, unfortunately, we don't have Uber where we're from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I told my doctor, you got to do something. He took some x-rays. The next day, I get a call from my doctor at work.
1: Everything's good.
2: And no, no, he said you got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage 4. Wow. so you got stage 4. Stage cancer. 4 blood cancer.
1: Okay.
2: And is even cuz yeah, I said what is that? What do I have to take?
1: Yeah. and What did they say?
2: And what? he was quiet on the other and he said, "No, you have stage 4 blood cancer."
1: So basically he's implying you can't do anything. I
2: uh,
1: Right. But what, what He's was implying that? It's over for you. Yeah.
2: He said, you know, we'll do what we can, but um, this is, this is really not, not good. So uh, once again, you just kind of kick into survival mode and uh, I just, I took comfort in knowing my body belonged to God and not to this sickness. And I had an excruciating bone marrow biopsy and two chest biopsies to confirm the diagnosis. Um, one of the hardest things I had to do was so inconsequential, and that was to shave my head.
1: But that's not inconsequential. It
2: was tough. It was tough,
1: yeah. It was tough. So you went through chemo? Four
2: rounds of chemotherapy day, um, a few days um, each month. I would go in and be surrounded by other people with various stages of cancer around me.
1: Because right. chemotherapy, is, if you have friends and loved ones, it destroys every part of it your body in order to kill these cancers. So you're exhausted.
2: Exhausted. And uh, um, I had a a bit of a strange um, side effect, trust me, which was uh, neuropathy, um, where the nerves freeze. And so I remember being uh, on a very busy street and uh, unable to move. I was frozen. And people must have thought I was, once again, on some sort of drug. or and I, I couldn't move. Eventually I could start to move my hand uh, and I put a call into my fiance and I said, I, I think I'm dying, uh, you know, yeah. and I love you. And eventually the body started to move again yeah. and I made my way home. Okay. Um, my friends were incredibly supportive this
1: time. Do you have new friends? Or I friends? <laughs> I don't like the old <laughs> friends.
2: <laughs> my friends and family were amazing. You know, okay. in fact, I got.
1: But you were yeah. telling me about yeah. you had to go through some forgiveness with your family.
2: I did. I had forgiven them for the past. And I wanted a relationship with my family um, for my boy's sake and for yeah. me. Life is short. Yeah. And I I knew that.
1: Because the thing is, I, I did spoke. not know this, but her, how she felt her parents were here yes. when Leo spoke. Yes. Right?
2: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure and uh, you know in fact people gave me so much pot I started to become concerned about keeping it in the house. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know this, is what, this, this <laughs> is what happens to me because I have tremors. There's a bunch of you and I won't say the names <laughs> that give me pot at the door. I had someone at the door just hand me some marijuana and say this should help your tremor. I can't put that in a certain illustration. <laughs> <laughs> so people do. They, 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 they want try
2: to help, but what yeah. they. Yeah. So we got a house full of pot. Yeah. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I had don't. two, I it two <laughs> sons at the time who yeah. were sort of, you know, at a vulnerable age, of <laughs> 15, 16, so I started keeping it in strange places, you yeah. know, deep freeze and these sorts of... But anyway, it's, it wasn't for me, but you know. Um, I I think I I saw, um, obviously, some people still couldn't handle the cancer, and it was too much for them. See, this is
1: what I noticed, and this is what we were talking about in conversation. A lot of close friends, when you go through cancer, they disappear. They just disappear. That's what happened to Gordon when my best friend died 12 years ago. All his friends disappeared. And I was so frustrated at his funeral because all his friends were packed out, and I'm thinking, where were you when he needed you?
2: So go ahead. Right. And um, now uh, I'm six years cancer-free. And mm-hmm. Thank you. Remarried to the amazing man who's okay. stuck by my side.
1: Mr. Starbucks himself? Yes. Because <laughs> that's where they met. Uh,
2: and I realized that God does need my help, but it's right here. And when people ask how I remained so positive and how I endured these situations, I try to explain that these circumstances didn't define me, that these dramas weren't part of my destination. I viewed them as part of a pilgrimage. And I knew that I could rest in God's plans for me. Uh, You know, he says, blessed are those who have set their hearts on the pilgrimage. And here's a, a spoiler. I say, you know, we're all gonna die right
1: <laughs> and don't so that. <laughs> but you're right because you've experienced near death and you the mortality rate i think it's 100 percent now i think oh yes oh yeah, yeah. it's, it's okay.
2: really yeah yeah and you know that don't look for a knight to save you was sort of my mo but look for a sword to help you fight the battles through life okay. because god doesn't give us uh, what we can handle. Um, he helps us handle what we have been given.
1: That's a deep statement.
2: You know? And he who kneels before God can stand before anybody and anything.
1: Do you mind if we pray for her? And, uh, and so I think it's appropriate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Oh, wow. father we thank you lord for her story we thank you how deep and emotionally we connected with her and we just pray lord that you will continue to touch her body and touch every aspect of her and we just thank you lord for her being part of this body we ask you to bless her marriage we thank you so much for her husband as being such a support and going through this when she needed someone the most the forgiveness that's happened the healing, not only physical healing but a restoration in their life as well we thank you in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen Amen. thank you (laughs) sometimes our profile picture is a little different than our lives and um what i want to talk about today is the scripture reading if you looked at some of the scripture reading that we had it's all about suffering it's all about going through difficult stuff. So we're in a series called The Road to Restoration. And the people that I've been interviewing are have been and are on the road to restoration. And so today, I'm, instead of sharing steps towards restoration, I'm going to slide off the freeway a little, take a rest stop, and focus on the process of restoration, the central to the process. If you look on the screen, the central to restoration is Jesus and our faith, not in our efforts to see how much of faith we can muster, but in Jesus himself. Now, Pastor Rubin spoke last week, and I cracked up. He did some really some incredible insights in Scripture, because I've told you many times, Scripture cracks me up. And one thing I didn't realize until Pastor Rubin talked about that, that when they were on the boat, that was almost sinking, it was Jesus' invitation to get on the boat. And so I never thought of that way, that Jesus invited them. Hey, I won't tell you this, but we're going to head through a storm. And so they were on the boat simply by this invitation. But this is happening, this scripture is happening right after that incident. Right after they docked the boat, and right when they got out the boat, there was crowds that were waiting for Jesus to get off this boat. Then you know why? Because all these crowds of people were in the middle of their own storms. They were in the middle of going through. And Jesus calmed the storms. They knew it. Jesus calmed this huge storm in the Lake Galilee with his frightened disciples. Jesus healed various diseases. Jesus gave them a way to salvation. Jesus gave a lot of hope to people when they were facing death and and just hopelessness. Jesus was the answer. That's why crowds seemed to flock Christ. He got off on the boat and the crowds were waiting for him because why it's on the screen, people knew that Jesus was the source of healing and restoration. Sometimes we try to heal ourselves, don't we? Like we're the physician for ourselves emotionally. And throughout my life, as I'm going through a restoration too, Jesus is the only way for us to be fully restored. Now, the story that we had in Scripture in the Gospel reading with this poor lady she was hemorrhaging for 12 years now imagine this some of us go okay i can take this suffering but how long do i have to go through it you know how we have a deadline in our head okay i'm going to trust jesus in this two days later okay this is getting old have you done that put your faith in something and you've, your faith is limited to a seven-day grace period with god you're giving god grace and so therefore this lady was going through 12 years of hemorrhaging 12 years of bleeding in fact she was on her period for 12 long years now i cannot talk on behalf of how it's this is like but all i know it's emotionally and physically exhausting for imagine going through this for 12 years and so therefore what's made adds this to worse the Jewish religious law said that a woman going through her menstrual cycle was unclean. And so, therefore, they had to be away from everybody and anybody that was clean, even family. And so therefore, if you were around her during a menstrual cycle or any woman around a menstrual cycle, and you you would be considered unclean as well. And so therefore, there was this huge big ritual purification process that you had to go through if you were around somebody that was unclean. So not only that this woman who had hemorrhaging for 12 years physically, emotionally, but there is an emotional isolation she was going through, too, that she could not be with anybody. She had to declare herself unclean. And if you were clean, you did not associate nor talk to anybody that was unclean. Now, Scripture says she did her best. She went to physician after physician after physician trying to become clean, trying to get help. But scripture says she got worse and worse. And so not only that she was through extreme pain and isolation and loneliness, but she did everything she could do to be healed. Now our gospel reading tells us that this woman heard about Jesus. His reputation preceded him. And so therefore she knew that the only hope that I have right now is Jesus. But she had to have faith. Because if you're uncling, you have to understand in scripture that in order for you to go in public, you have to yell, uncling, uncling, and then walk out. So not therefore it's a humiliating process of going public, but she had to go to Jesus. This is where her faith started building up. See, this is where it's fascinating to me. Because a lot of people say, I believe, but if you look on the screen, it says this. A lot of people think faith is about merely about believing. But in reality, it's not faith until belief moves into actions. This woman had faith because she overcame her fear and she went to Jesus. She realized this is how strong her faith was. And this shows you a lot of how deep this story is. She, she didn't say, I just need to touch Jesus. I need Jesus to touch me. I need Jesus to see me. She said, I just need to touch his clothes. That's all I need. How powerful that! Uh, faith is in fact if you look at mark chapter 5 verse 28 for she said if but if i but touch his clothes i will be made well and so now watch what's going on here because why in the world did she say if i can just touch her clothes now this is interesting to me because a lot of theologians believe this that she was trying to not be in the crowd so a lot of people think that she was crawling behind Jesus to be not seen. And just reaching out, just to touch his clothes. That's how much faith this woman had. This is where it's crazy. Because right when she touched Jesus, she was immediately healed. Because it says in Mark chapter 5, 29, immediately her hemorrhaging stopped, and she felt the body, felt in her body that she healed that she was healed of her disease. Now you notice that the more blood that flows through your muscles, the more strength that you have. The more blood that flows through your mind, the more clear you start thinking. So most likely she felt the surge of energy in her life. But this is where it's fascinating because I'm focusing on the restored in order to restore. And I was looking at the scripture and I was going, good night. She was healed physically immediately, but she wasn't fully restored. Now, follow me on this. This is where I say, Scripture cracks me up. The disciples, just if you read this, the disciples were irritated with Jesus. But here, follow me. This woman had been healed physically, but she had not been restored. She still carried the stigma and shame of her disease. She had just gone through a crowd of people and made them unclean, and she was probably trying to figure out how to quietly disappear back into the crowd and make her way home. But Jesus stopped her. This is where the restoration begins because a lot of us have been healed physically of situations or we've been out of tremendous, difficult relationships that we've been abused in, but still, we still think and would still think of being abused. And so this is where, thirty verse 30, immediately aware of the power that had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, let me just paraphrase this. The disciples go, dude, Everyone's touching you right now, okay? How are we going to figure who touched you? This is what they were saying because Jesus spoke with authority. But what was interesting, Jesus was focused on who touched him because it drained the strength out of him. And so it says here, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. Do you see how important? This is where I got emotional when I was when I was going over this practicing, because how important this woman was to Jesus. He didn't stop. He said, who touched me? He looked all around to see what had done, but this woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear. Okay, now I understand. She was healed physically, but emotionally, she wasn't there yet, right? So she was scared to death that Jesus called her out. And trembling, fell down before him. Scared to death, and told her the whole truth. She just said, "This is what happened. This is what going on." And told him. Now again, she decides to tell Jesus the whole story about herself. She doesn't paraphrase it; she tells it. This is what I'm going through, and sharing trampling. Now this is important. She did not let her fear stop her. She did not let her emotional what she thought of herself for 12 years, she's been unclean. She was determined to get to Jesus. She was determined to get to Christ. And so here's where the complete healing took place, guys. It's in Mark chapter 5, verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Made well is a definition of restoration. So not only that he healed her physically, but he restored her as well. Restored her in her community, removed the shame from her life, restored her back to, in fact, if you look on the screen, your bold faith actions, really, he says, have restored you. This woman, and her boldness, in her faith, pushed past what other people said about her. all the stuff that she lived with, just to touch his clothing. Then she pushed past her fear of being publicly shamed and ostracized and told the truth about herself. Back on the screen. There's two ingredients here to restoration. Came together to bring restoration in life. Absolute trust in Jesus plus actions equals restoration. There's where many of us, when we want restored, because I don't look like I need restored, do I? It's all in here. I can project that I have everything together. But man, there's fear, there's shame, there's guilt, whatever's going on. There's inadequacy because the voice of my dad or the voice of other churches, the voice of this. But all of a sudden, this is where first she had to have absolute trust in Jesus, power to heal her. And she had the absolute trust in Jesus, love to accept her. And so therefore, she was restored. Back in the community see this is where it gets me here we're talking about god's compassion that's what restoration is it wasn't talking about electric shock jesus didn't go hey look what did you do to get this or this is god's punishment or anything like this what our evangelicals sometimes tells us but i can imagine what the crowd was thinking because that crowd wasn't a crowd of people that were just kind of judging everybody. That, that crowd had one thing in common. They all needed healing, and they all needed restoration. And that's why we connected with Christie emotionally. That's why the standing ovation. Because all of us are in this journey of needing to be healed, of needing to be restored. And so this is where it's interesting because a lot of us are battling years and years, maybe not hemorrhaging, but alcoholism or obesity or any type of addiction or, or whatever it may be, pornography. However, we're all struggling with different aspects in our lives. And people feel trapped. where they're trapped by their own decisions or choices that they made, that they feel shameful about or some moronic person that made decisions that affected them directly. This is where I understand Christy, where she talked about the forgiveness of her family. A lot of us think, why? Just forget it. But it was important to her, and it was important because she had their grandchildren. And so this is the power of forgiveness. See, powerless women who have been denied the right to speak and sick people who who do not have a way to pay for doctors to heal them, people who are trapped in endless generational cycles of poverty or drugs or violence, Jesus is the way. People have been ostracized, ostracized from community because of mental illnesses. When we look at someone and go, I don't want to deal with it. But somehow we need to bring them to Jesus, don't we? Somehow we need to bring help to them. Back on the screen, wherever Jesus goes, he finds himself in the middle of someone's storm. The multitudes today still need him to calm their storm. But how many will have the faith of this woman to overcome the fear and shame of their circumstances, to push past the crowd, to reach out and touch him, to tell the whole truth of their stories? Jesus is still the hope of this world. I used to sing this song in the 70s. Jesus is the answer for this world today. Above him, there's no answer. Jesus is the way. Andre Crouch, remember him? If you're 45 or older, man, he was great. Back on the screen. We think we can entertain, distract, purchase, and drug our ways to happiness. But we are still bleeding out. We're gaining the whole world, but often losing our souls. We don't need another fix. We need restoration, and only Jesus can restore our lives. This is why I'm going through restored in order to restore. This is why I'm taking this whole church through a two-year process of restoration. This is how deep it is to me. And I'm in the process of restoration as well. And on the screen, the reason it is a road is that faith is always a walk. It isn't faith while you're sitting there hoping for something something to change. When we get desperate enough, when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, maybe we can begin, we'll begin to have the faith of the, the woman. We'll get up and do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. We'll stop trying to cover up our pain, our fear, our shame. We'll start telling the whole truth about our stories. And we'll hear Jesus say to us, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Wouldn't you want that in your life right today? And so during the prayers of the people and during the communion, I want you to realize that I need to come to Jesus and our prayer team during communion will be up here. And if you need prayer, that you will build enough faith to go to Jesus and we'll hold, whether it's a year or two years or 12 years or Christy, it just seems like her entire life she's gone through this. But Jesus got to be the way. And Jesus is for me, and Jesus should be for all of us. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord bless his word. And let's come up to for-